Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the podcast. I'm your host, Andre Hutchins, and you are listening to episode 101 of the Backseat Directors podcast. On today's episode, I've invited one of our writers, Rachel Wagner, uh, also not to be confused with the previous Rachel Ogden, who we had on episode 99, uh, but Rachel Wagner has been invited to join me for another segment of Defend Your Movies. Rachel has the task of choosing three movies that she loves, but are rotten on Rotten Tomatoes, and to defend her movies. As always, listeners, thank you so much for downloading today's episode. I am so grateful for the support that you give to the Backseat Directors podcast and to me uh, specifically. If you enjoy listening to our show, and if you have not yet, please add, uh, go and write a review for Backseat Directors, uh, whether it's on iTunes or whichever platform that you listen to our show on. Just, just take a minute, and if you could, uh, leave us a review. I'd love to hear from you and what you guys think of the podcast. Uh, You can find the Backseat Directors podcast on every major podcasting platform, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify. If you'd like to reach out to us, you can follow us on social media, or you can go to our website at backseatdirectors.com. Again, if you have any comments or questions, just reach out to me directly via email. My email address is andre at backseatdirectors.com. That's spelled A-N-D-R-E, andre at backseatdirectors.com. Now let's get on with the show. Rachel, welcome to the podcast. Yeah, thank you. It's such a great uh, chance to be here. I'm so excited. Well, I'm excited to have you, Rachel. I I, I really, truly am excited to have you. Um, obviously, uh, anyone who's listening right now, if you're familiar with Backseat Directors and our website, Rachel is one of our uh, contributors and writers for the website. But Rachel, Rachel's been around a lot longer than than backseat directors. You've been doing this longer than me. And so Rachel, I want to give you just a chance to kind of, uh, um, uh, just tell the listeners a little bit more about you, about your own platform, like your YouTube and your own podcast and, and other, uh, outlets that you write for. Yeah, I've had quite the journey. I started blogging on uh, just a personal blog in 2007 and then I, and I'd always just loved doing movie reviews on that blog and loved uh, writing about movies. And uh, then in 2014, I, uh, I hurt my, I tore my MCL in my leg. And so I was, I had to figure out something to do because I was basically bedridden for about three months. And so I started a blog where I was going to review the whole Disney canon. <laughs> and so it was 54 Disney reviews because at the time that was the, that was the number of movies at the Disney canon. And the goal was to finish in time for, um, I think it was Big Hero 6 was coming out. Anyway, I uh, so I did. And I just really loved it. I loved writing about movies. I loved doing the blog and helped me get through that that tough time. And uh, and then I also at the same time started doing my YouTube channel and I got into marketing for my career. And so that was something I kind of wanted to learn. I wanted to, to try to master all the different forms of social media. And that included YouTube. And I started just doing box reviews, subscription boxes and unboxings and things. And then I started having movie reviews on my channel. And, uh, and then it kind of morphed from there into doing podcasts I particularly leaning up to Force Awakens release. Mm. Uh, I started, I did all the Star Wars movies with my friends and, uh, and then uh, I, I just kept, kept doing these podcasts and I still do family movie night every Monday on my channel. I've been doing that. I have over 250 family movie night videos. So I've been doing that for a long time and uh, every week. And, uh, but I don't do that many edited videos anymore. Most of my videos are, most of my videos are podcast videos as opposed to, uh, you know, shorter video, uh, edited video reviews, but anyway, and so that kind of merged doing the podcast, uh, got, uh, merged into, uh, the Hallmarkies podcast, which kind of was, a, uh, started on a bit of a whim, uh, but people really liked it. And so that's sort of become the walk and talk of my life is covering a lot of Christmas movies, right. a lot of romantic <laughs> movies. I also love animation. I write for the site rotoscopers.com as well as backseat directors, uh, which is a full animation, uh, a site, uh, rotoscopers. And I've been writing there for about six years and that's actually how Rotten Tomatoes, they were looking for more female, uh, critics, and uh, they found my reviews on Rotoscopers. They liked what they read, 
and they actually offered for me to be a member of Rotten Tomatoes. So that was a huge honor and exciting. And uh, yeah, it's just been kind of, uh, you just work and put out as good a content as you can and, uh, and have fun and, uh, and you know, things, good things happen. And, uh, and I've just been really grateful for the whole ride, uh, and for all the, all the many, many, many people who've helped me along the way. Well, I was absolutely thrilled when you accepted my invitation, uh, to be a part of the backseat directors team, because, uh, one, you, you do bring a lot of, uh, actual credibility, uh, to the website and to what we're doing, uh, you'd being an approved Rotten Tomatoes critic, but, um, but not just that, but, but your experience, you have a lot of experience in, in doing what we're doing. And, um, and the fact that we live, fairly close in proximity yeah. also wow. helped. <laughs> and that's, really that's, close. Well, really that's one of the things that I learned early on as I started to uh, get into this because uh, backseat directors, at least the podcast was founded in March of 2017. So I've been doing this for just a little over three years now. Um, and I learned quickly that there are quite a few um, people like you and I within the Salt Lake community um, in the greater Salt Lake area who, you know, who have a passion for movies and who are, have yeah. been doing their own thing for kind of, you know, uh, for quite a while. And especially like you said, you know, back in 2014. And so the fact that I I've been able to kind of assemble a little team and, and some of us being here in Utah, it's been a lot of fun and it's been a yeah. lot of fun just, just knowing that, you know, even within our own community, there are yeah. a lot of movie nerds like us <laughs> yeah it really has and we, we really need to do a get together we can socially distance it'll be fine but i've missed my my movie critic crew yeah same I here i really have i've missed talking to everybody and seeing the same faces at all the screenings and i miss going to screening so much i know it's just it was like a weekly is like a weekly tradition always just Multiple. driving up to salt lake to go you know to go catch a screening uh yeah. hopefully hopefully things turn around soon i feel like utah I, I i feel like we're pretty lucky being in utah uh yeah i mean there were times i would have two screenings in one day like yeah. <laughs> when i saw cats and rise of skywalker oh wow about, dude the best day of my life cats I mean, come rise on. of skywalker that's funny um, yeah. yeah, no, I, I mean, and I've seen, I've seen some posts that you've done recently, you know, some of the more local independent theaters have started yeah. to open up. Um, and that's a good sign. Um, obviously, yeah. you know, the, the larger theater change within the Utah area, Cinemark and Megaplex, we're still waiting for them. And, mm-hmm. but yeah, no, hopefully it is soon. Hopefully it is soon. Cause I, I, I just, I, I'm like you, I just miss, I miss the movie going experience. I miss just the social experience that is just going to a movie you know grabbing some popcorn hanging out with everybody and i mean if i could put a plug in for these independent theaters that are starting to open yeah i mean everybody has to make the decision for themselves and i totally respect that but i mean i honestly felt like when i went to see the show at the sierra that i was probably the safest i've ever been in a movie theater in my life i mean everybody was very spread apart it's a 700 uh, person theater Uh, audience theater and you know they only allowed up 50 people so you're very spread out they're cleaning they're separating you by rows uh and you know almost everybody's wearing a mask Uh, i mean it's about as safe as as it gets i mean so i don't know at least for me i felt i felt completely safe and comfortable uh, and, uh, it was a great experience. Yeah, so no, that's I great. Would... Yeah. And of our listeners who are from Utah, that, that the, that's the Orem, uh, yes. the Orem Utah theater. So definitely. Yeah. yeah. Currently there's just, uh, there's fat cats in, uh, in Saratoga Springs, mm-hmm. at least by my knowledge. Uh, and then, uh, the Sierra and then the water gardens water garden are doing both drive in and, and indoor now. Yes. Yep. Yeah. And and again, with minimum capacity. So you're not going to be sitting really close to any other patrons that are in the same movie auditorium as you, but, um, okay. Well, uh, yes. Uh, Rachel, again, very happy to have you on one of the traditions that I've always done with new guests on the show. And even though you've been a part of the team for quite a while now, this is your first time on the podcast. Yeah. I'm excited. And so what I do with every new guest is I have a set of get to know you questions and, uh, um, it's it's actually been a while since I've had a brand new guest on the show. 
And so this is going to be a lot of fun for me and a lot of fun for our listeners. Uh, and, and anyone that's listening, you guys could actually go right now and go to backseatdirectors.com and to the uh, meet the team uh, portion of, of the website. And we have all of our uh, answers to these questions listed there. But I want Rachel still to to go through and answer these questions. Um, and you guys get to enjoy to see what kind of movie fan Rachel is. All right. So, Rachel. First question of the get to know you questions is what is your desert island movie? If there's only one movie you can take with you, if you're going to be marooned on some island for who knows how yes. long, what movie is that? Well, my lame dad joke is always that I take a documentary about making a boat. <laughs> <laughs> That's my, my lame dad joke. Uh, but uh, but no, I would take the movie Your Name, and it's a movie that I love, a uh, anime film by the great director Makoto Shinkai, and uh, I think that this movie is the perfect movie because it's it, it's uh, has it has it all. It has it's funny, it's dramatic, it's moving. It makes you think. It has layers. Every time I see it, I notice different things about it and what it's trying to say. It has beautiful animation and absolutely beautiful music uh, that I love. Uh, and uh, I just, I just love the film. Awesome. Question yeah. number two, what is your favorite movie theater snack? You know, I, I actually love a, <laughs> I love a movie theater or a hot dog <laughs> and they're probably pretty, pretty gross for most people, <laughs> but, but I don't know. I, lo- I love a good hot dog. Uh, and I mean, I do love popcorn. Uh, I, I have to be careful now because I can't have salt, but, uh, but, uh, but yeah, I do love a good hot dog and, uh, especially at the, um, the, the indie theater here, uh, the, um, at the Broadway, I lo- particularly love their Polish dogs. Nice. Nice. That's awesome. <laughs> I'm going to have to try one. Yeah. But, uh, so but anytime, like if I actually get food at a movie theater, like, and I frequent the megaplexes, uh, that are near me, uh, they kind of have like a, like a partnership with pizza hut. And so they'll have like, yeah. you know, like mini personal pizzas. So if I actually get food and not just popcorn, that's what I usually yeah. do. I've never had the hot dogs. I might have to I'm the same as, I'm the same as you. And maybe it's because I, I tend to spend a little bit longer at the theater than most people. And so I like want real food, like something more substantial than popcorn. popcorn yeah, no, I totally uh, get you. <laughs> but, but yeah, actually the real theaters, uh, I hardly ever get out there, but oh, they have the best food. They have these little tacos that are so good. Mm. Uh, yeah. And, uh, so I, uh, I really like that. Megaplex has decent food, uh, I feel like, but sometimes it takes them forever. <laughs> frustrating. Come on, Megaplex, if you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> but if you, I mean, what I wouldn't give for a Megaplex crepe right now, but, uh, I love their crepes with the Nutella and the fruit. And there's like no other places in Utah to get crepes. You have to go to the Megaplex. <laughs> I know. I know. But, uh, yeah. No, I totally get you. Oh, that's great. To make, but yeah, no, I do like sort of more substantial food at the movies. Cool. Okay. Question, question. Question number three is: What is the first movie that made you cry? Uh, the one that sticks out for me is uh, Old Yeller, uh, from the Disney film. Uh, you know, I mean, come on the dog what are you gonna do it's so uh, right sad. right but it's also a beautiful coming of age story i think it's a movie that really holds up well it's a beautiful movie very well acted and uh it just you know it's it's about growing up and, and it's on disney plus it's yeah. not in the vault and you can go see it if you have a subscription <laughs> yeah so that that's my go-to answer on that one cool okay question number four um who is your favorite director and do you have a favorite actor? Yeah. So my favorite director is the uh, animation, uh, anime uh, master, uh, Hayao Miyazaki, who uh, is uh, the head, one of the heads of Studio Ghibli. And he did incredible films like Spirited Away, House Moving Castle, um, The Wind Rises, uh, Kiki's Delivery Service. Princess uh, Mononoke, my personal favorite. Princess Mononoke. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love Nausicaa. Amazing. Um, just an incredible, incredible artist, incredible director. And uh, he is, he's my favorite. That's awesome. That no, And I think that's a great choice. I, I'm pretty sure no one else has had that same answer for director. Um, but uh, one, one of our writers who you've interacted with, uh, Andre of the Formal Review, 
he uh-huh. he is a big anime fan so um yeah you guys definitely have a lot of comments sometimes in the group chat i get i i think i i get the andres confused so i probably think that you're the some things that he says (laughs) things that you say and vice versa uh so (laughs) interesting yeah no uh, and that's yeah yeah yeah, it's it's frustrating because people don't i mean like you would never see a animation director nominated for for best director which is frustrating uh, their their process is arguably harder than other directors. They have to they have to work on a project for years, keeping everything together, keeping all the where the 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 different aspects of the of the project uh, together, and uh, and yet they're somehow not considered ever in. Well, if you, if you ever have if you ever have a list of like the top ten greatest directors, no, it's almost never included yeah. an animation director, which is is strange to me yeah yeah and I, no i agree and it's kind of interesting um and and this is <laughs> listeners there is a youtube show that i have been working on that's been put on ice okay i know i've talked about it before but rachel came on and we did a pixar episode uh dedicated to well yeah dedicated to pixar in preparation for yeah. onward then this was right before coronavirus like went yeah went awol but um, but not, well, I remember talking uh, to you about in uh, the history of the Academy Awards, only three animated movies have ever been nominated yeah. for for Best Picture, and it, and and it's kind of crazy because I, I mean it's crazy. Th- there are some great animated movies out there, especially and, when we have ten. Yeah, now ten yeah. slots. Yeah, no, true. It's very true. It's, it's crazy. But, okay, well, but so yeah, what, what about so an actor? My- my favorite actor, I, I don't really. I'm not a celebrity person. I don't care. Like I, they're just normal people <laughs> who eat breakfast every day, like all of us. I, I do not. I'm not. That's not me. Um, I mean, I have a lot of classic stars that I love. I love Audrey Hepburn. She's probably my favorite uh, actress of all time. I love Catherine Hepburn. I love Cary Grant, Jimmy Stewart. Uh, all those kind of classic stars. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just feel like we've become less star driven nowadays, you know, that like, aside from maybe the rock, I feel like there's really nobody else that this kind of an institution in and of themselves. Like it just depends on the movie that they're in and uh, you know, whether I will like it or not like it, I, there's nobody that I'm like, Ooh, their movie, I'm going to see it for sure. No question. Uh, and, uh, I don't know, but I, I do love, uh, if I could give a shout out to voice actors, cause I don't think they get near enough credit, uh, and they're often plate replaced by celebrities, which is frustrating <laughs> who have no, who have none of that talent. And, yeah. uh, and, uh, so someone like Tara strong, uh, who I got to interview for rotoscopers was a huge honor and she's done so many iconic shows, including my little pony and friendship is magic and powerpuff girls and, and uh, young, uh, um, uh, the the young Justice, whatever young Titans, whatever Teen Titans show. They she did that. She did Teen Titans Go to the, um, the, the Teen Titans Go show. She's just done t- every every show. Tara, Tara Strong's probably done a voice in it. Uh, and uh, and then of course you have also classic voice actors like Ron Paulson, uh, or um, uh. Jim Cummings. I know he's had some controversy lately, but anyway, voice of Winnie the Pooh. Uh, there's so many really talented. Also, the whole cast of The Simpsons, incredible <laughs> um, voice talent. Uh, Hank Azaria, incredible. Uh, oh, so yeah, give a little shout out to the voice acting community. I think. Oh, that's great. Right. That's great, and I I do agree. Um, yeah, voice acting is just one of those things that I think is is just it goes totally unnoticed, and because yeah. it does, it's underappreciated. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the things I remember from uh, the most recent uh, Academy Awards is that they brought out uh, a lot of different um, singers that were also the voices oh, yeah. of Elsa cool. from. Yeah, and I thought that was such a cool moment just to be able to see, you know, I mean, because these movies are loved worldwide. You know, yeah. but a lot of these movies, you know, they, they, you know, to get them into the language of the country that they're the movie is in, they're getting different voice actors, and 
you know, for other kids that love Frozen and any other animated movie, those are the voices that they res- res- resonate with, right? So let's give them yeah. some attention. So I thought that was a pretty cool, pretty cool moment from that. But um, okay, this is the last question. That's kind of tricky. All right. But this is one of my favorite questions out of all five of these, just because I think it, it really will get into your psyche, Rachel, of you as a movie fan. But the last question is, if you could change the ending of any movie, which movie would it be and how would you change it? So, yeah, I mean, I feel like this is more true for me with television shows because I get so invested in so many years of my life. And so then I get really upset if the ending sucks. Uh, so definitely for how I met, how I met your mother ending, I will forever hate and and despise and it, it 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 kind of ruined television for me like every time i start a new show i'm like mm, i don't know <laughs> i don't know it's a risk yeah so i hated that ending so much uh but as far as movies go i i really didn't like the ending of last jedi i know that's controversial some people love it some people hate it like me i just did not like that ending for luke at all I didn't think it fit with his character. I didn't think the whole depiction of his character, because to me, he was an extremely loyal person. And I and I just thought it was super underwhelming for him to show up as this hologram person and not be there to fight the fight. And, and I didn't like it. Uh, so uh, that would be one. Also, recently, uh, last year, the film Last Christmas... I was super pumped for this movie uh, because I love rom-coms and I love Christmas movies. And oh my gosh, it was the most cringy, terrible ending. I hated it so much. It was awful. What? (laughs) And then they, I mean, I'm not going to spoil it, but then they show like the alternate takes of what was like really happening. And you're like, what? It was so bad. I hated it. And so there, that would be one that, uh, that I, I don't know what they were thinking. It was so stupid. Well, and it was really interesting because that was like, like, um, oh, what's her name? Amelia Clark, right? Yeah. Amelia Clark. She, you know, she had kind of, uh, you know, she played, she played in the solo, a star Wars story. Yeah. And that movie kind of, kind of bombed financially. Yeah. Um, and she also played Sarah Connor in the reboot yeah, of, oof. you know, Terminator Genesis. And so she she had, you know, outside of Game of Thrones, which I think she was really, really well known for. I mean, that's what kind of got her on the map, yeah. I think. But um, she played in you know, these two big roles of some big franchise movies, and they both bombed. Yeah. And and so I had read an article saying that she she wanted to be more selective of what kind of roles that she took and that that she'd she's going to be a lot more hesitant accepting a role in you know bigger franchise movies and so i remember when i saw this movie i'm like oh it's amelia clark oh it's gonna be like a cute rom-com christmas movie but no my wife and i saw it together and it's uh i mean it's uh, yeah i don't want to spoil it for anyone any but let's just say it's not it's not like the most happy happy christmas ending Yeah, and she has terrible taste in romantic comedies. I don't know what's wrong with her because she did uh, Me Before You, which, in fairness, Mm -hmm. I knew I was going to hate because I hated the book. I thought it was really disgusting, to be honest. And and then I went and saw it. And I always try to have an open mind because you never know. But I hated the movie Mm -hmm. and I hated the book. And but like both of her both of her romantic comedies ends not well <laughs> there, like, yeah you're not gonna walk out of the movie theaters with a smile on your face <laughs> so um i I, also, I hate it when people act like the people that it's somehow more empowering for a female character to not find love than it is for them to find love yeah i hate nothing, i hate that there, trope I, hate, I don't like it yeah there's nothing that's uh that's I'm uh, unempowering un- about being in love. Yeah, no, I, I, I totally agree. And gosh, that's, that's a conversation you and I could have for, uh, yeah. for an, an entire episode. Uh, but next Even time, the recent time. Uh, Jane Austen adaptation of uh, her unfinished novel called Sanditon yeah. that was on uh, PBS. 
It was by the same people who did the original Pride and Prejudice. It had all, it was handsomely mounted. Oh my gosh, the ending was so dumb. I hated it so much. <laughs> I was like, you could have picked anything. Oh, oh Rachel, you had some great answers. Some really great answers. Yeah. So Sorry, I, I, that was long. <laughs> no, no, that's totally fine. No, I appreciate you taking the time to do that. Even after having, you already had the written answers on there. So again, listeners, go go check out BackseatDirectors.com. Look up uh, Rachel's profile on there and you'll see all her answers right there as well. But um, Rachel, you you are here on this podcast episode yes. mainly for the purpose of defending your movies. But yes. now, Rachel, this is it's a little bit different than the previous uh, guests that we've had on the podcast because um, what the premise of the show is we're going up against the Rotten Tomato critics. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so since you are actually an approved Rotten Tomato critic, we've kind of yeah. kind of pitted you against your yeah. your peers but my fellow associates but, yes they got it wrong <laughs> <laughs> but you know what um but that's the whole point of this we we want you to uh yeah you and you you have you've chosen three movies that you love but yes. for whatever reason other critics did not so yeah. um in a discussion before we hit the record button you were having a dilemma in choosing your <laughs> movies so yeah. I acquiesced. You do have an honorable mention, and then we'll get into your three. Yeah. Well, so I wanted to talk just briefly about the movie This Christmas, and this from 2007. And I feel like, in general, Christmas movies are, uh, I think, looked at kind of uh, <laughs> looked at kind of harshly uh, by the uh, by the critical community, and of course, as a Hallmark movie a podcaster. I, I conclude the the Hallmark movies that I feel like people don't really, I mean, there's lots of bad Hallmark movies. Don't get me wrong, <laughs> but, uh, but there, and we call them out on our podcast. We're, we're not a, we are not a um, gusher site. Uh, but, uh, but I feel like a lot of times they don't really consider kind of what they're trying to do. And, and if you don't like it, you don't like it. And there you go. But uh, some of the, I don't know, just some of the times when I hear people talking about it is I feel like they don't really understand kind of what it is that they're trying to do and uh, that they're trying to basically make escapist movies that you, for particularly most of them are for women, uh, that allow you to relax and uh, there's a certain degree of nostalgia about them. And, uh, and I think that this is a good example of a theatrical film uh that uh that is a christmas film and it has a great cast with regina king and idris elba and uh loretta divine who's always great and uh chris brown in his early days young days yeah. uh, and <laughs> <laughs> and it's funny it's sweet there's this whole dynamic of trying to remember the recipes of uh of the family and uh and the you know cooking the meals of the of people who passed on and the traditions of their family and there's some slapstick moments and there's some funny mo- like i think compared to your typical uh tyler perry movie i think this is way better uh than that and i don't know, i just think i think it's really sweet i think it's funny and uh, it's got 54 percent, so half the critics over half the critics liked it but uh, the rest were Grinches, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> well, on, on RottenTomatoes.com, it says the critics' consensus is this, that this Christmas features strong performances and a sharp portrayal of family dynamics, but relies too heavily on holiday movie cliches. Alts! Alts! <laughs> yeah, that, that's, see, that's, that's what I'm talking about. The, the, it's the very cliches, the holiday movie cliches or tropes, however you want to refer to it, that that's what people go to these kind of movies for. Yeah. yeah. You're, you're criticizing for exactly what it is. <laughs> it's a Christmas movie, for goodness sake. No, I think that's great. And yeah, and Rachel, you already said, so it's got a 54% approval rating uh, from uh, Rotten Tomato Proof Critics, uh, 83 total reviews submitted, but an 81% uh, from the audience uh, with over 73,000 um, respondents on that end. So... Good choice, good choice, honorable mention. But now, Rachel, let's get into yes. your top three, or at least okay. this the three that you've chosen for this. And because I, I know you really were trying to figure out which ones you wanted to defend, but uh, <laughs> um, let's let's go to your first movie. 
The first one that I want to talk about is uh, technically called Disney's A Christmas Carol. This was from 2009, which was one of the best years for animation ever in the history of movies. 2009 was incredible. Yeah. And uh, so... Uh, it was a tough year for for for, for, it, for it to be an animated film that year and stand out, uh, but uh, a lot of people don't like this movie because they don't like that kind of motion capture animation uh, that they do for the film. Uh, and they had the um, they had a sort of a slate of movies with Polar Express and uh, this and uh, Beowulf and. Uh, there was all the image movers was the name of the studio. And then finally um, Mars, Mars needs moms, which is, I don't, I won't defend that movie at all. Uh, but uh, a lot of people just don't like that kind of animation. And what are you going to do? That's what this animation is. So if you don't like it, you don't like it and that's fine. Um, but as far as if you're able to get over that and appreciate uh, the animation, the it's actually incredibly accurate to, the book. Uh, it includes scenes like the lighthouse scene that you almost never see at all. It includes the the scene uh, in uh, the um, uh, where they're talking about the Sabbath day and and uh, and going to church and are Christians hypocrites. It includes that whole scene. That's never in any version ever. And I love a Christmas Carol. And I in fact I did a whole um, podcast with Alonzo Duralde where we compared versions of Christmas Carol. And so I love to watch the different mm. versions and be like, oh, that one has the that one has uh, want and ignorance. This one has uh, the, you know, because the, they all kind of pick different parts. And and uh, I so I love I love Christmas Carol and watching versions of Christmas Carol. And I just think this one is kind of underrated. I think uh, I because I, it is so accurate to the book. Uh, I think that Jim Carrey actually gives a pretty good performance uh, as Scrooge. Uh, he definitely gets that sort of snarly, despicable, like yes. really, yeah. uh, really <laughs> down well. Because uh, some some try to play Scrooge as kind of this sort of likable miser. You get a little bit more charm, a little bit more, and uh, and that's fine. I enjoy that. But I but if you're true to the book, he he's really not at all. And, uh, he's, uh, he's awful and, uh, and they get that he's, he's got that, uh, disposition down pretty well. And then also I think that Gary Oldman gives a really good performance as yes. Bob Cratchit. Uh-huh. And, uh, and so I, I like it. I really do. I think it has good music. Uh, and, uh, I like Bob Hoskins as fuzzy wig. Uh, and, oh, so I don't know. What are you going to do? Alan Sylvester's score. I'm so happy that you chose this movie because so a Christmas Carol in my family is it's this is our quintessential, not, not specifically this one, but, but um, a a Christmas Carol is like the quintessential Hutchins family movie that we watch without fail every Christmas Eve. And the one that we usually watch is the one that I grew up on and my dad grew up on, which is the, uh, the musical version. It's not called a Christmas Carol. It's called Scrooge. Um, um, and, but, but ever since this one came out, Disney's a Christmas Carol. We now watch two (laughs) Christmas Carols over the Christmas holiday because of how, how good this movie is. And anybody that's a fan of the book, um, will instantly be a fan of this movie just because, like you said, uh, it, it is the most accurate to the book. It has so much detail that is left out of other movies, like like even the depictions of the ghosts and what the ghosts look like. Yeah. The, these are very accurate, very accurate. And those are things that I appreciate because it, what it tells me is that the filmmakers and those writing the story, they cared about about what the book says and translating that into the movie. Yeah. Yeah, and it definitely, I mean, it has its flaws. The scenes, like, when they're playing kind of a, sort of like a roller coaster, where they were trying to sort of show off the, the special effects. Yeah, uh, yeah. They, they go on a little bit too long. And Yeah, when he's uh, being chased by know, the horse and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but other than that, I, I really enjoy it. And, I mean, I love Christmas Carol, too. I'm the same way. I love the Muppets. I love Mickey. I love... Uh, it's hard to make a version of Christmas Carol that I don't love. I even like <laughs> uh, Diva's Christmas Carol with Vanessa Williams. That one's hilarious. Um, I uh, I just love this message. I love the story. Yes. I love that uh, the idea of redemption and that no one is a lost cause 
uh, that everybody can be uh, can be redeemed. No, I I love that, and I I'm I'll I'll leave it there because I can't say it any better. That's so so great, so beautiful, Rachel. I I really do love this movie. So uh, just uh, more context for our listeners um, on Rotten Tomatoes. Rachel's going up against her peers, the other critics. <laughs> the critics' consensus says Robert Zemeckis, who who is one of the most incredible directors he has directed iconic iconic movies like all three back to the future movies um yeah he's a big fan of 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 working with tom hanks you know so yeah so uh forrest gump castaway that kind of stuff he's Um, one though i feel like him and rob reiner and a few other directors have really struggled to make the transition uh into i don't know into this sort of this new century of movie, this sort of the digital him and, Tim, and then I would include Tim Burton in that batch as well. Interesting. I know something huh? about the artistic sensibilities of the eighties and nineties where those directors seem to have such a home. I feel like they've really struggled to kind of transition over. Uh, they've made some good films here and there, but I feel like they've They've struggled to connect with the audiences. Chris Columbus would be another one. Yeah. Well, I tell you, if you've directed a movie like Back to the Future, your legacy is cemented. <laughs> yes, that's true. <laughs> so on Rotten Tomatoes, it says uh, a 52% um, approval rating from the critics with a 201 review submitted. And surprisingly, and this is very surprising, at least to me, the audience score is a 58%. So yeah. from the from the, from the user with 776,000 um, respondents on the audience side. So, I mean, pretty, pretty even, pretty equal between what the audience and the critics uh, thought of the movie. But between me and Rachel, we love this movie. <laughs> yes, very good. Yes. <laughs> cool. Okay, Rachel. Uh, movie number two. Okay. Uh, my next choice is uh, is called uh, A Walk in the Clouds. And this movie, uh, this movie was from 1995. And uh, it, uh, it's a, it's kind of an old fashioned romance. It's kind of thing you'd read in a romance novel. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, directed by Alfonso Arau. Uh, I'm sorry if I'm saying that not wrong. Uh, and it stars Keanu Reeves and uh, Aitana Sanchez Gion, I guess. Yeah, no, that, uh, that's and- as good as I could do. <laughs> <laughs> and it does have it has Anthony Quinn and Giancarlo Gianni, and uh, it's it's a simple story. Uh, I love a fake fake fiance story. We get those all the time at Hallmark, and they're my favorite. <laughs> um, so basically, we have this woman. She uh, she ends up getting pregnant, and she happens to meet uh Keanu Reeves character is a returning soldier from the war and uh they make a deal basically that he'll pretend to be her fiance so that her father doesn't kill her uh and uh and so they do and there's her father owns this vineyard and the main appeal of this movie is the absolutely stunning cinematography the gorgeous uh uh, like set pieces in this vineyard. There's a scene where there's a whole scene where there's a fire and they have to use these, uh, these kind of wings sort of to help put out the fire. And I don't know, it's just beautiful. It's so pretty. And uh, it's just an old fashioned romance. Uh, it's melodramatic. It's cheesy, but I it's don't know, the perfect role it, for Keanu Reeves. <laughs> I mean, again, I feel like people, if you're criticizing it for being melodramatic and cheesy, I feel like that's what it is. It's trying to be a soap opera. It's trying to be an old fashioned melodrama. And so I don't know. It's, it's, it's kind of like, there's a certain degree to me where I'm like, I guess you didn't get it or you just don't like that genre because that's what it's trying to be. And you're using that as a criticism. Um, uh, I mean, I think there are flaws. I do think that Keanu Reeves is very wooden in the role. I don't think that he's great, but uh, but everything else is so strong. I'm fine with it, and I just I really like it. I think it's a really good movie. Yeah. So I mean, I um, I, even though my heritage is Mexican, um, on my dad's side, um, the culture we didn't have too much of Hispanic culture within my immediate family growing up, but. And my extended family, my grandma and like my aunts and uncles and my dad's cousins, uh, very much so. And so when we spend time with them, movies like this remind me of that kind of culture and heritage that my my dad's side of the family has come from. 
and and I I love the family dynamics of this movie uh, for yeah. for the girl, um, you know, and the owners of the vineyard. Yeah. Um, very traditional, you know, very conservative, and it just it just reminds me. It just it's very familiar to me, and so those are some of the the, the yeah. aspects of the movie that I really enjoy. But yeah, I mean, it's just I mean, it's just. It's like a classic romance. I really yeah. do enjoy this movie. And like I said before we started recording, I recently watched this just in the last two months. And I'm like, wow, this is a good one. I like yeah. it. I like it. And Roger Ebert, he was a defender of this film. He actually gave it a perfect score. Uh, four, wow. four out of four stars for him. Yeah. And he said, I like in his review, he says, A Walk in the Clouds is a glorious romantic fantasy, aflame with passion and bittersweet longing. One needs, perhaps, to have a little of these qualities in one's soul to respond fully to the film, which to be a jaundiced eye might look like overworked melodrama. But that, to me, sang with innocence and trust. And I think that's, that's very beautiful. true. Wow, that was well very done. eloquent. <laughs> well done, Mr. Ebert. You're in your filter there. Yeah, the, yeah. I, I, uh, yeah. <laughs> I think that, uh, that that's true. I mean, you have to have a certain degree of sort of loving melodrama and loving passion and romance. And, and all of that's there in this movie. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, what are you going to do? On Rotten Tomatoes, uh, it has a 44% approval rating, uh, with only 27 reviews submitted. And this is this is kind of the common thing for movies that are like uh, pre the 2000s, uh, you know, just because Rotten Tomatoes wasn't around then. So, so critics, I'm assuming if this is how it works, Rachel, critics are are going to go on and review older movies just to have their you know their mm. their review attached to that specific movie. Yeah. So, only 27 reviews, so not a lot, but 44% I, I approval wanna... rating. One of the twelve fresh, so Oh cool, yes. good. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think it's a it's a really fun film. Yeah. And well, I it, think that, that people are very hard on romance because uh, I think that if you haven't experienced romance or it's just easy to look at other people's romance and find it cloying. But romance is somewhat cloying. It's just part of the genre. You know, like if you if I'm sure if we if we sat down and heard your love story, there'd be parts of it. would be like kind of cheesy and kind of, you know, cause that's it. That's romance. That's the fun of it. It's great. Yeah. 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 No, for yeah. sure. For sure. And on, on the audience side, it has a 75% approval rating with over 62,000 uh, respondents um, for that. So, a great choice. I, I, I've really enjoyed these two movies that, that you've chosen so far. I, I, one, I mean, I just both these movies I've grown up with, so they're very familiar to me. So yeah. that's great. Okay, Rachel, this is it. Movie number All right, three. Last Here we choice. Go. So my last choice, and I have to give a caveat or a little warning for my Hallmark friends. This is definitely an R-rated film, so <laughs> don't. So watch with caution. Uh, but my next choice is No Strings Attached. Uh, this, uh, I feel like there's certain actors people just decide they're just going to hate no matter what, even if it's a decent movie. Uh, and I feel like Ashton Kutcher is in that camp of one of those people. And I think that's a big reason why people maybe didn't like it or they have their reasons, whatever. But this came out the same year as uh, friends with benefits with Justin Timberlake and Mila Kunis. I think this is much better uh, than that film in my opinion. Uh, and it stars Natalie Portman, Ashton Kutcher. And it's basically about these two adults that meet cute and, uh, but they're not ready to be in a like relationship. So they kind of decide to have a physical relationship. Uh, and, uh, and that seems to be going well for a while, but of course, uh, things, uh, things get in the way and things get messy as they do. And this has a great cast. Uh, it The supporting cast is super funny. Uh, you have uh, people that were known then, that well then, but are known well now. It has Greta Gerwig, Lake Bell, Olivia Thurlby, Jake Johnson, Mindy Kaling. Uh, Ludacris is in it. He's funny. I mean, <laughs> it has this great cast. Harry uh -huh. Elwes is in it. Kevin Klein is her dad. He's great. Uh, so it has this incredible supporting cast that's 
funny and and like does a lot with little parts and little roles. Uh, it's directed by Ivan Reitman, who of course can do comedy with Ghostbusters and with other things. A kindergarten Cop, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and I, you know, I think that I think that Natalie Portman and Ashton Kutcher have, have a nice chemistry together. I wouldn't have expected, but I I do I like them and and I also. <laughs> It has one of my favorite jokes of like uh, that just never fails to make me laugh because I, I that so he's trying to like be thoughtful and considerate or whatever and she's so he makes her a period album a period <laughs> CD which just I think is hilarious it's got like beating love and like whatever and then he's and at a certain point he's like listening to the period mix CD and he's just crying because when they're separate I, that. Is hilarious to me, and that totally seems like the kind of thing that somebody in this situation would do, and uh, and where I feel like other maybe other rom coms would be sort of more over the top in their gestures and stuff, whereas this is just like this, the thing I could picture some nerdy guy thinking that he's gonna really impress and come off as like this super nice guy. Uh, making a period album for the girl. And I don't know. I think it's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> I think what you said is really interesting about Ashton Kutcher and his, uh, his filmography and kind of his trajectory of his career, because, and perhaps it's, it's his earlier days of, you know, being on uh, the, the 70 show. Cause I think that's, that's really what a lot of people know him from. Um, and you know, kind of his, you know, his earlier films like dude, where's my car and, you know, kind of the sillier comedy also, type he movies. He was kind of a reality TV guy. With, yeah. With, with punked, right. It was punked, right? Punk'd, yeah. Punk'd. Yes. Right. Exactly. Uh, so all those things, I think, uh, I don't know. There's just this, uh, people already are, are, are against, uh, or people I'll, I'll, for many people, romantic comedies are a tough sell alone but then you cast ashton kutcher and they're even less likely to give it a shot yeah it's unfortunate i i I really do think he is talented um he feels it feels like he's kind of taken a step back uh from acting yeah um i really liked him in the movie jobs but i i didn't get to see um what's the other one that kind of came out around the same time with uh um there was another steve jobs movie um, oh, um, the I think it was Steve Jobs. There's was Jobs it called Steve Jobs. Jobs. Yeah, with um, Michael Fassbender. With Michael Fassbender. So I didn't yeah. see that one, but I did see. It this was okay. I, I thought it was a little overrated, but it was okay. Yeah. So I I liked him though in the one titled Jobs, but um, as a person, I I have a lot of respect for Ashton Kutcher. I don't know if if you know this, but it, just for context for our listeners, um, he is one of the founding members of a tech company that is. Um, um, its purpose is to identify child pornography online and mm-hmm. to, um, identify the source so that the authorities can, can take it down and go after those who are posting it. Uh, it's called Thorn and he, he is, uh, I mean, he's not just a founder, but he is a big time advocate for, um, you know, or against child pornography and yeah. the exploitation of children and things like that. And so, um, maybe that's why he's taking a step back because he's focusing on other things, but yeah. I just, I, I have mean, a lot he has of a lot of business investments. I think he was like one of the first people to invest in Spotify. If I'm not making, if I'm not mistaken. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Good for him. But, but yeah, I mean, he has his major clunkers, but I'd take this any day over yeah. what happens in Vegas. I mean, yes. this is yeah. way better than that. And I don't know. I just think it, it's a mature I look at relationships and what women and men need in our sort of our society uh, and work and how that all figures in and our expectations for each other. And I don't know. I just, I think it's good. I think it's a good little movie. So on Rotten Tomatoes, it has a 49% approval rating with 171 uh, submitted reviews from Rotten Tomato critics and a 51% audience score with over 89,000 submitted respondents. Um, that is really darn close <laughs> for critics and, and audience. Yeah. Um, and friends with benefits at 68%. I disagree. I think <laughs> this is a better one. So what are you going to do? 
Rachel, this has been a lot of fun. I think you picked some really great movies to defend. Um, yeah, no, this was really fun. This was real fun. I hope you had a great time. I did. This was really great. I hope I can be on again. It was a lot of fun. Well, it was a pleasure having you. And so before we end, though, I want uh, to give you a chance to let the listeners know how they can reach out to you, how they can follow you online and, and kind of get a hold of all your other content that you produce. Yeah, you can find me at Rachel's Reviews, all over social media, iTunes, YouTube, and on Rotten Tomatoes. So check that out. Links to all my reviews on Rotten Tomatoes. And also at Backseat Directors. Check that out. Uh, and so I'm kind of all over the place. I also am at the Hallmarkies podcast. And we're just putting out really fun content over there. And we've got great interviews uh, and uh, all kinds of fun stuff. Rachel, thank you so much. And listeners, thank you guys for downloading today's episode. We hope you guys are doing well. Just remember, theaters will open up soon. We're getting there. It's going to happen. (laughs) And if you feel comfortable, support the ones that are. Exactly. Go to the drive-in. Yeah, no, that's great. That's great. Yeah, I'm going to have to put some links to your articles um, about going to the drive-in. But uh, listeners, thanks again. And uh, until next time, uh, take care. Bye, everyone. The Backseat Director's theme song is Let's Go to the Movies by Ozo Motley. You can find the album Ozo Motley Presents Ozo Kids and all of their other music on iTunes. The Backseat Directors podcast is available to download on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Podbean, and most other podcast platforms. Join the conversation online and follow Backseat Directors on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. of movies we can all choose from there's action adventure animation and comedy there's sci-fi and westerns and classics documentaries uh, so many options so much variety there's a perfect movie for you and him and her and me uh, so find your seat in the perfect row Sit back, relax, kick up your feet, and turn off your phone.